Hello, everybody, and welcome to Mrs. G's Storytime. We are reading Where the River Begins by Patricia Sanjan with permission of Moody Publishing Company. And we are reading Chapter 8, Flight. For the next three days, things went from bad to worse at home. The fat, yellow-haired girl became a recognized person whom Mom and Dad quarreled about, and she had a name, Gloria. Dad came home late and appeared only at breakfast. Mom went about looking like a ghost with dark circles under her eyes and not, did not seem able to listen to what anyone said. She was always laying down with headaches or crying, and Wendy and Debbie did exactly what they liked. In Francis's view, they became more and more cheeky. Outside, the spring surged in its fulfillment and the yards were gay with daffodils and tulips and blossoms, but inside the house seemed to get colder and drearier every day. Then came a terrible morning when Mom did not come down to breakfast at all, and Dad gave, gave them their meal and seemed to want to hustle them off to school in a great hurry. He always dropped off Wendy and Debbie on his way to work, but Francis went on the bus and saw no reason to start just after eight. It isn't time, he argued. I shall get there too early. Besides, I haven't said goodbye to Mom. Well, you can't say goodbye to her today. She's not well enough. I want you out of the house before I leave. See? Well, why? And anyhow, it's too early for Wendy and Deb. You needn't be at work till nine. Look here, Francis. Will you stop arguing and go? I'm not going to work today. I'm coming back to take Mom to the doctor. She's very unwell, so don't make things more difficult than they are. You're holding up everything as usual. Get, so get out. He got out in a hurry because he did not want Dad to see his tears welling up and overflowing. It was all Dad's fault, he thought, that Mom was ill. It's, it all had something vaguely to do with Gloria. She was wretched and inattentive at school and had a bad conduct mark, but he did not care. He wanted to go home, but when he rushed into the house at 4 o'clock, there was, there was old Mrs. Glengarry washing dishes at the sink and Wendy and Debbie quiet and well-behaved, cutting out paper dolls, clothes, and at the kitchen table. "'Where's Mom?' said Francis abruptly. "'I'm afraid your mom's not well and has to stay in the hospital for a time, dear,' said Mrs. Glengarry kindly. "'I just came over to give your tea till your dad comes at six. "'Now you've come. We'll put the kettle on, "'and Wendy will show me where everything is and help set the table.' "'Me too,' said Debbie, who usually never wanted to help. "'The girls were all graciousness and helpfulness, and tea passed pleasantly.' Mrs. Glengarry had made them a cake and told them comfortable stories about her cat that made Wendy and Debbie laugh. But Francis felt desolate. Halfway through the tea, he pushed back his plate and said loudly, Mrs. Glengarry, how long will Mom have to stay in the hospital? And when, will, when can I go and see her? Can I go on the bus now? I know the way. Mrs. Glengarry hesitated. I'm afraid she's not in that hospital, dear, she said. She's gone to a special hospital further away, and she's not allowed visitors at present. But you could write her a letter. Would that help? Not really, said Francis. I'm not very good at writing letters. Mrs. Glengarry, what's the matter with my mom? The old lady looked troubled. I think you'll have to ask your dad about that, Francis, she said quietly. I'm sure he'll explain. You've noticed your mother hasn't been too well lately, haven't you? I think it's all the same thing. It's not a dangerous illness. She just needs rest. She had headaches and she cries. cried, said Francis, but she wasn't ill. May I leave the table, please? Tears were welling up again, and he ran out into the yard and sought refuge in the cherry tree. It was just 
bursting with blossom like a great white tent, and he had once imagined that he would sit here with Mum. Whatever could happen to them all without Mum? Perhaps Granny would come. He liked Granny, but she did not get along with my with Dad, and she would not be at all pleased with Gloria. It would soon be sunset, and he watched the thrush fly home to its nest in the hedge, and the sky through the gapes and the young blossoms glowed brightly, tingling the, the white petals with pink. It was so quiet, and Mama could have rested here. Then he saw Mrs. Glengarry go home to feed her cats, and he, he thought she had better get back to Wendy and Deb. There would be an awful row if he was not there when Dad came home. Miss Glengarry had left everything in perfect order, and the little girls seemed unusually peaceful. When Dad came in, they were all playing happily, and they switched on the television and sat down beside them. "'What's the matter with Mom?' asked Frances. "'Why can't I go and see her?' "'Because she's gone to a hospital out in the country, and she'll have to stay there for a time. "'She'll be all right, Frances. It's her nerves. She just needs a good rest.' "'How long will she stay there?' I really don't know, but don't worry. We've got to fix things up tomorrow. In the meantime, there's supper to think about, isn't there? How about going to the fish and chip shop, Francis, and bringing us all a nice hot supper? The little girls clapped their hands and loved, they loved fish and chips. Francis took the money and set off along the dark street. He walked slowly because he hated being at home without Mum, even with the fish and chips. He was glad there was a line that he would have to wait, but he was not glad to see Spotty ahead of him. He turned his head as Spotty left the shop and hoped he had got rid of him. But when he finally made his purchase and stepped out into the street, there was Spotty waiting. I'm walking home with you, said Spotty mysteriously. How come you told the police about our hideout? I didn't, said Frances, startled. I never told them nothing. Honest, I didn't. She asked me questions, and I said, I just said, Oh, yes, we know all about her, said Spotty, who had known nothing about her till that moment. And if you'd never told her nothing, how come they found the hideout and boarded it all up? Not that it bothers us. We'll find another, but we shan't tell you. Always it said you were soft. Tyke's going to do you in this time. He seized Francis's package and flung it in the ground and kicked him on the shins. Francis flew at him and punched him in the stomach. Spidey grabbed his hair, hit him in the face, and then sent him sprawling on the ground, after which he took it to his heels. He did not like fighting. It made him too breathless. Francis got up slowly. His lip was cut, bleeding, and his hands covered with mud, and worst of all, the fish and chips had fallen out on the pavement. The fish was all in pieces, and however hard he tried to scrape the dirt off the chips, he could not remove it all. He wrapped them up again and crept home, feeling sore and frightened. His father was in the kitchen, setting the table. "'You've taken your time, haven't you, Francis?' he snapped, and "'Good night. What have you been doing? You look as though you've been in a fight.' I fell down, down, Dad. I'm sorry. I'm afraid I fell on top of the fish and chips, and it got a bit squashed. He handed the sad-looking package to his father, who stared at it in disgust. Well, he said at last, it, it's your supper, so you'll have to make the best of it. But you're so clumsy. You're, you're a clumsy one, aren't you? Can't even go to the fish shop without messing everything up. Now call the girls and come and eat. Nothing went well. Wendy made loud, unnecessary remarks about the grit in her chips, and when it was bedtime, Debbie started to cry for Mummy. Dad, who had tried to, hard to begin with, grew short-tempered, and Francis watched a program that did not interest him, and then sat and wandered up to bed. His lip hurt. He was miserable about his mother and terrified of Tyke. Tyke could beat him up as, as quick, as easy as winking. He wondered what would happen if we went down now in his PJs, told Dad all about it, and asked him to protect him. His dad did not like him much, but there were moments when he had been kind. 
Once he had bought him a bicycle, twice he had taken him to the football game and had often brought him ice cream and taken him swimming. When Wendy was still little and had not started pension, she had already they had been quite good friends. And anyway, even if he was very angry, his stepfather would not let him be beaten. With a pounding heart, he jumped out of bed and hurried downstairs in bare feet. Dad would be watching TV in the living room. He crouched at the door listening, but the set was switched off, and Dad was talking and laughing in a way he never did with Mom. Someone was talking back in an excited, giggly voice. I suppose Gloria come to visit him, thought Francis. I'll, I'll have to wait. I'll leave the bedroom door open, and then I'll hear when she goes. But he never heard her go, for he fell fast asleep, and the next morning he went off to school in a hurry, and there was no chance to talk. Francis spent his time out of the class, keeping way well out of Tyke's way, and he jumped on the bus the minute the school was over and ran over the, ran all the way from the school bus. Stop. It was a warm, sunny day, and the girls were playing in the yard. Dad's got a visitor, said Wendy. We can't have tea till he's gone. Did you mean she? asked Francis rather drearily. It was getting to be too much of a good thing. No, it's a he. Dad called him Dr. Somebody. They're in the living room and they've got, you've got to wait. Francis walked very quietly into the house and put down his school bag. The living room was not quite shut and he stood resilient in the hall. He could hear most of what they said and if this was a doctor, than he wanted to hear. I believe there's some talk of a divorce, isn't there, Mr. West said with an even voice. Could this be the real root of your wife's trouble? Oh, I don't know about that, answered Dad, sounding rather put out, but we can't go on like this. Unfortunately, things just aren't working out between me and my wife. I see. Well, she'll have to be under care for some time. She's in the throes of a very bad nervous breakdown, and what is troubling her at this moment is... What's going to happen to the children? I presume you can't keep on your job and look after them. Not really, said Dad. I've been thinking it out, and I have a talk with the manager this morning. He's been most helpful. The little girls can go to my mother, and I've asked for a transfer. Our business has a plant up north, not too far from where my mother lives, and there's a vacancy next week. I shall have to shut up the house for a time and get an apartment near my job. And what about the boy? Will he go too? I'm afraid not. He's not my boy, and he's a bit of a problem at the moment, getting into bad company and that sort of thing. My mother couldn't possibly be responsible, and besides, she hasn't room for three children. He'll have to go into foster home. That seems rather rough on the little chap. Isn't there another granny who could have him? My mother's, my wife's mother lives in a one-bedroom apartment and has arthritis. She'll come down to be near my wife, but she couldn't cope with the boy, the house and the boy, and I think she'll stay with friends. I see. Then it's just a matter of getting in touch with the social services and finding some place for the boy. Francis had stood rooted, rooted to the spot, but he suddenly realized that the conversation was coming to a close, and whatever happened, he must not be found in the hall. Besides, he would have to act very fast indeed. He knew about going into foster homes. He had a friend in one, and Tyke was, would almost certainly beat him up if he was in a foster home, as it would not be like having his own folks to protect him. And suddenly he knew where he was going. He got his bike and paddled very fast down the path into the road. Tell Dad I've gone for a ride, he shouted to Wendy. I don't want any tea. He was off, and with a sweet spring wind blowing his hair backwards down the main road off to the right. Now he was in the country, and the birds were singing, and there was Tolt's 
tufts of emerald on the hawthorn hedges and the bank blanks were starred with clementines and primrose and apart from a general sense of greenness and hopefulness he did not notice much. He was trying to decide what he was going to say. He could not help knowing that he had made rather a poor impression on, on his first visit and this time he must do better. There was there was always plenty to do on a farm and he could milk cows, feed pigs, anything. He was rather hazy about farms, but he would convince them that he was a wonderful worker. An easy holiday were just about to start. If only he could keep out of Tyke's clenches till then, he would be safe. Tyke would never find him there. He was coasting through the village thinking of more and more things that he could do, and by the time he reached the bridge over the river, he had come to think that they were very lucky to get him. The water had gone down considerably since the day of his great adventure. He could see the road that led right to the farm. It was still broad daylight, and he stood for a time at the gate, considering exactly how to introduce himself. I've come to help you with the cows. But the cows, lying peacefully in the daisies, did not look as though they needed any help at all. You'll need some weeding done now there's spring coming, or I thought you might like an extra boy on the farm. Any of those might do. He would decide when he got there. He stuck out his chest, marched up the path, and knocked loudly on the door. The farmer opened it and found himself looking into the face of the small boy with a swollen lip and a very bright, anxious brown eyes who seemed vaguely familiar. Francis, looking up at the large, friendly figure of the farmer, suddenly forgot all about his fine speech. His eyes filled, filled with tears again. I've got to go to a foster home, he blurted out. I just wondered, do you think you could possibly care for me? And on Monday, we'll read Chapter 9, The Refuge. I love you. I'm praying for you. And we'll see you on Monday. Bye-bye.